Rockin' All Week with you, a Happy Days podcast, Season 4, Episode 4. Overall, I lost track a long time ago where we are. 35, maybe, something like that? Doesn't matter. Season 4, Episode 4. Enjoy it. I'm Dan. I'm your host. I'm the main guy chatting during this. I'm, I'm the only guy chatting, actually, through this. And um, I hope you uh, are all enjoying the show so far, where, where we are. We're, at, we're obviously we're in Season 4 when the show was at its most popular, most, whoa, a crazy, fun, Fonz mania, almost Fonzie happy days, having great times. This episode is about a uh, place of his own, November 9th, 1976. And they shoot Fonzies, don't they? November 16th, 1976. Earlier in the season, there was a mind of their own. And, of course, you might be able to guess what They Shoot Fonzies, Don't They, is about. And I say that as if you haven't watched these episodes already. As if you're coming into this, like, Dan, this 40, geez Louise, 4-year-old show, 45-year-old show. We need you to tell us about it before we can sit down and watch it. I am blessed. Thank you so much. So this is a Fonz of their own, a place of the, a guy of his a place of his a place. Let me look. A place of his own. November 9th, nineteen seventy six. This was um, a few weeks away from Thanksgiving. I was three years old. I was very precocious. I was I was reading at this time. So if I was doing a podcast at age three, I would have been able to read this information from uh, like the Happy Days DVD set. If there were DVDs in nineteen seventy six, probably Spectravision. I bet there was a Japanese set of Happy Days on, like, the SpectraVision discs. Oh, boy. Yeah, where are we? Okay, so so this is um, the, the, the uh, Richie is out with a gal, and her name is not Wilma. Her name is Cindy, and uh, the guys are all in. R- Richie, Ralph, and Potsy are making out with three gals up at... Um, that place where they make out that I'm suddenly forgetting the inspiration point and they're all crammed into um, Richie's convertible although we know that we know that Potsy doesn't have a car because they make jokes about him riding a bike but we know that Ralph has his car he has his little convertible I want to say it has flames on the side of it there are flames on the side of my car I believe like Ralph has a car why not just why not just you know share the load you know like you know, Richie takes Potsy one night, Ralph takes Potsy the other. I, I don't know why they're all together. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, yeah, actually, what it feels like, it's, it's funny because this episode is directed by Jerry Paris, of course. It was written by Bill Idelson, who was in the episode A Mind of Their Own. He was the psychiatrist, but he wrote the Guess Who's Coming to Christmas episode. So far, my favorite episode of the show from early-ish on in season two. And back in, that was the time, back back then, was when Richie got his car, and they were all excited about Richie getting a car. But then when season two is ending, or is it season three, Ralph has his own car. So it's almost like he's, he's, he's Bill Idelson is like writing from a different, an earlier version of the show where there was only one car. But at this point, there are two cars. I mean, Richie here says he's 18. I mean, I think he's pretty close. We're fairly close to high school graduation. And I know at that time, well, when I was 18, I was almost graduated from high school. So my, my birthday's in May. Um, but, but um, you know, I got my um, driver's license in September of 1990 when I was 17, starting my senior year of high school. And my dad ran a body shop, repair shop, and he used to buy cheap junkers that had been totaled and refurbish them and give them to the kids which are sometimes great and sometimes a little tricky but but so i did have a car so but but by that time by um yeah by by this time everyone had a, now granted this is the 50s and this is different although richie gets his car so easily 
<laughs> and um, it wasn't that easy for some of us to get the cars. I I lucked out, but um, but but it's it's, it's interesting because yeah, like I said, Bill Idelson does seem to be writing from an earlier draft of the series where only Richie had a car and they all had to share the car. So they're all in the car, and Ralph keeps getting a cramp, and his foot keeps he's in the back seat, and his foot keeps shooting up in between um, Cindy and, and Richie as they're trying to make out. And Cindy isn't happy about this, and she grabs her big sketch pad and sits on the trunk of the car, or the hood of the car, and basically says to Richie, like, if you only you had your own place, it would be better. And Richie's like, yeah, I got my own place. And she's like, all right, let's go there. And of course, he doesn't have his own place, but he talks to the Fonz, and the Fonz says, oh, okay, you can stay here. And it's a Saturday night. Well, we'll talk about the Fonz's Saturday nights. So the Fonz is going to stay in Richie's room, and Richie is going to bring the gal up to... Um, the Fonz's place to fool around and get to phase four, which is, um, I was going to say fourth base, but it's not, it's not a, I never understood the first base. Did you get to first base with her? I, I don't know what that means. I, I, did you get to second base with her? What, what is the, what does that involve? I, you know, I, I bought her some ice cream. Is that, is that second base? There were chocolate chips in it. I don't, I don't understand. Um, you know, um, I never fully understand, but but the Fonz has his phase one through four, which we will talk about in a moment. But so, yeah, so Richie's up there with this gal and um, trying to make some time with her. And then all of a sudden, Conrad Janus, or is it Conrad Janus? Conrad J. I'm thinking of Janus Thorns from Doctor Who. Conrad Janus, you know Conrad. He's, he's the Conrad that ain't a bane. Uh, he shows up, and he's a Navy guy, and Cindy is his daughter, and he is pissed. So I'll stop here give you a little blast of something I'll come back and we'll do just a little chat what I thought about the episode it's weird I watched this episode a bunch of times for this recording accidentally uh, as I was taking notes and things in the last episode I just happened to have it playing and so I watch it once, then I watch it two more times. I don't know if it holds up to three times. I'll, I'll be honest, the first time I watched it, I thought it was okay. The second time I watched it, it kind of annoyed me. The third time I watched it, just now, right before recording this, I, I thought it was quite charming. I'm not a huge fan of Cindy. She, um, I, I, I looked up the actress, I tried to see what age she was. Does she look much too old for Richie? I, I don't know, like, she looks much older than the other gals, one of whom is w- Wilma, in the car with Potsy and Richie. And boy, Ralph is really... Look, look at the moment in the makeout scene when Potsy and his gal go into the front seat with Richie and Cindy and look at, like, Ralph going at... I don't know if... No, that ain't Wilma. Uh, the gal who ain't Wilma. Look at him going at her, and he's like, I'm getting me all of this. Like, that right here, I'm gonna... Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's Ralph. And I think this episode, to me, works best... If you treat it as like a second season episode that's had a rewrite to add a thousand and one little gags here, there, and everywhere to to update it slightly, you know, to to make sure we make fun of you know Howard in some way for being a cook in the army and to to all these other little bit like Ralph being obnoxious and you know all these other little bits and bobs and th- Blueberry Hill, all the extras and Joni throwing in a little bit of stuff here and there. Look at it all, yeah, almost as like a second season episode. If you look at it that way, and you can tone down the audience's raucous yelling and laughing in your head, um, 
it feels because if you think about it, this is mainly this is the first one this season, I think, right? This is the first one this season that is a Richie-led episode. And the Fonz is in the position that he was through much of like season two and a bunch of season three. He's sort of a secondary character who's kind of living his own life, kind of kind of parallel to the Cunninghams, but not quite to Ace. He says, you know, like, hey, this is a middle class problem and I'm in my own class kind of thing. And just, just look at the way... Um, not only the way he gives Richie the tips on the phases and how to, you know, when you got a girl in your room alone, how to deal with her, but the way when he comes down in his like grandpa pajamas and and uh, Mister uh, the 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 Navy guy, Mister Janus Janus is there uh, arguing with uh, Mister Mrs C and Ralph and Potsy have taken off because they they kind of gave the game away that Richie was was and Cindy were together and just watch the way um. The, the Fonz has the best lines and he has the best moments in those scenes. Even when he goes and kind of breaks it up and says, what's face... F- Did I tell you about phase five? What's phase five? Uh, her dad's coming up the steps. You're in a hell of a lot of trouble or something. He doesn't quite say that. And just, the again, the bemusement on the Fonz's face when Richie's leaping around and he can't find his... I think he can't find his coat because it's in the bed, the the sofa bed. And my my favorite comedy moment is probably Ron Howard's Un, unfolding the bed and then folding it back in, which we'll talk about in a minute, and maybe I'll play a blast of it uh, later on in the episode because I uh, it's it's a bit I always remember from from seeing this um, when I was much younger. But I love the Fonz in this because he is like his thing is that he tells Richie Richie can use his apartment any night of the week, but Saturday, which is the night Richie needs to use it. He says that the Fonz is go on Saturday because that's amateur night. On Saturday he rests. You know, the Lord rested on Sunday. The Fonz rests on Saturday. And Saturday's sort of the night, yeah, where Richie has the day. Joni doesn't have anything going on. The Fonz is resting. Mr. and Mrs. C are going to, like the charades contest. That's the thing at the beginning. There's a charades, not a, not a contest, but Mr. and Mrs. C are training for charades because Mrs. C is apparently very bad at it. And she can't do a motorcycle right for the wild one. And um, and the Leopard Lodge is having their annual charades competition. Uh, they're pretty nuts, I know. Um, and... Um, and that charade scene is almost like, um, well, no, I could have seen that in a second season something, uh, too. It it kind of goes on a little bit louder and more raucous than it would have in the second season. Uh, you, you realize the difference between like this season, especially this season so far, and seasons one and two is they never feel like they're playing for a crowd. They're just acting in, in seasons one and two. But in this, like the charade scene, imagine like that scene... If it was just Mr. Mr. Like, Joni probably would have been sitting there. Maybe that other son of theirs, whose name I don't remember anymore, may have been sitting there. And it would have been much calmer. It probably would have been as kind of goofy funny as this is. You, I stink. Um, but it was, it would have had its charms. Uh, definitely, certainly. And I think, if I can just say, I, I don't know that, I don't think those pajamas are the Fonzes, right? Are they Richie's? I'm not 100% sure, but I like I like Rich, I like the Fonz's impersonation of Richie that um, that gets on, uh, that confuses Joni. Um, and anyways, uh, so yeah, yeah, that's that's the way I like this episode is sort of a, almost a flashback, almost as like, we, we've done a whole bunch of episodes that are kind of this raucous, loud, 70s style sitcom. But in this one, through portions of it, not all of it, 
and certainly you might if you didn't know have you hadn't seen seasons one or two you might not know it but to me this does seem like an earlier iteration of the series um like even with the gal the way the scenes with richie and the gal in the um like like when he's singing and dancing i found my thrill i'm in big trouble which i love um that's pitching it for the audience but the rest of it kind of isn't quite doing it although although i do love his thing um why do all these pictures of gals are they're signed to fun fonzie i just gave the game away why are all these pictures signed to fonzie no no it's to funzie because i'm a real fun guy um uh, yeah. So, uh, what else? Um, I I, th- I think I, I almost feel like the thing with when Conrad Janus shows up, and there's like he's learning a lesson that he should treat his daughter less like one of his soldiers and more like his daughter. That lesson gets a little lost somewhere, and when. Mr. C makes his final statement to to the Navy guy as he's leaving, and the crowd is like, yeah. I thought, mm, I think that's a little underdone right there. I'm wondering if that was something that maybe was a little stronger in an earlier draft, but they had to cut stuff for time because we need, we need more shenanigans because we're about shenanigans now. And something was cut because um, um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not terribly... To to me, this the stuff with the navy guy and the stuff with Cindy is all sort of very secondary. Um, uh, like like I said, Cindy does at times look a little too old, and she does have that weird moment in the beginning where she says um, she's sick and tired of being in the car. But if Richie had his own place, um, you know, oh, would that be different? Well, yeah, I forget what she says. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, my parents. You live with your parents. And then about 30 seconds later, Richie's like, yeah, I have my own place. Wait a minute, you're in high school. How can you afford an apartment? So wait a minute, 30 seconds ago, you were chastising him for not having his own place and living with his parents. Now you're chastising him for how on earth can he have an apartment when he's in high school? Stop it. And they do say that like she lived in New York City for a time in Greenwich Village and must have been, I guess her dad was stationed in that vicinity probably at the harbor i don't know i don't know i don't i don't know around there what um what there is uh navy uh wise you know overall it's a good episode the the, the tricky thing with the episode is i saw bill idelson's name and i've said before who who he is he was he was um rush on vic and Sade. my along with dragnet i would say probably my favorite overall radio show from america circa 29 to 62 uh, i have a lot of shows i love but those are the two i probably listen to over and over again not counting anything with bob and ray of course there's and so when i saw his name on this i thought this is going to be another world beater and there are a few moments in it that are really great i mean the the, the fonts like i said it's fantastic throughout phase one you know music poetry an aperitif phase two um anything she likes you like anything she doesn't like you don't like um phase three you're willing willing to what go to phase four boom and and the fonts just the moments just like the 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 line when the fonts comes down the steps and Mr. Mrs. C are kind of wrought out, and the the Navy guy is there, and there's kind of trouble. The Fonz, what are you doing here? We thought you were Richie. Ba 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 ba. And there's a pause, and the Fonz looks at the Navy guy and says, "That must have been some great movie. You brought home the Usher. 
I didn't deliver it as well as obviously as Mr. Winkler does, but it's funny. And then there's a moment where they're all yelling, and suddenly the Fonz like appears in between Mr. Mr. C with his arms around the shoulders, and he says, "Hey, hey hello!" And he comes and he jumps up on the bed and he yells everyone down, and he's just great. And this is this is a Fonz I miss. This is a Fonz who um, um, doesn't do everything. This is just a Fonz who's doing his own thing. And I mean, obviously thing, things are changing in the show. Things are very things are going to be changing in the show when we talk about the next episode. We'll be going back to it. But the thing I love about this is just the sort of reminder of the time when the show was really kind of about Richie, and the Fonz was his friend who was kind of up for anything. I was um, there was a silent movie comedy star named Raymond Griffith. Uh, many of his films are lost, but when they sort of make the list of silent movie like comedy greats. Leaving out Laurel and Hardy because they were sort of a segue to... I mean, they're brilliant silent comedy, but they're... I'm talking non-teams. You know, it's always like, you argue who's on the top. Is it either Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin? It's, it's your call on that. And then after that would be Harold Lloyd. After that, usually it's Harry Langdon. And the next one is usually one that no one's really heard of, Raymond Griffith. Raymond Griffith, uh, like I said, a lot of his films are lost. The two sort of main films we have, it's a, we have a Civil War comedy uh, called Hands Up, which is hilarious. The General is a better Civil War comedy, but, um, but, but Hands Up. And then another one called Paths to Paradise, which is actually my favorite of, of uh, the, the several films I've seen of his. He was a very dapper-looking guy. He sort of looked like if there's another there was another guy named Charlie Chase. He looks like the dapper version of Charlie Chase. Charlie Chase, um, Charlie Chase, you probably know best. He's the in Sons of the Desert, the Laurel and Hardy film. He's the really obnoxious guy with the mustache when Laurel and Hardy arrive at the um, convention. Um, and that, that wasn't Charlie Chase's regular character. Um, usually he was kind of a put-upon, like, dad or, or spouse or something like that who got involved in shenanigans. But Raymond Griffith's character was very much... Um, he... Past the Paradise. He is... I forget if he's at a hotel or at, like, a manor... I think it's like a big manor house or something. And somehow he's there. I forget how he, he winds there up there. And he's part of the party. And he meets a young woman, and they chat, and they hit it off, as it were. And then a little later on, he discovers her, like, stealing a painting or something. And, um, and his character was very much a roll-with-it sort of character. You're stealing the painting? Why are you stealing the painting? Because I want to... Uh, uh, why are you stealing the painting? Because I want to, I want to steal the painting. Okay, I'll help you. And then he helps her. You know, and that, that's kind of his character. His character, you know, like the big sort of twist at the end of the movie is, they escape from the house. They get in a car and they're driving the Mexican border, with like, and it's very much like, um, it's very much a beautiful, symmetrical, like ruthless people kind of tons of cop cars following them to the border, and they get across the border. And the twist, and unfortunately this reel is lost, but the twist when they get across the border is that she suddenly realizes that she doesn't want to leave that life. She was kind of being, like, uh, a bit headstrong and, like, I, I would like that life back. So, like, well, what can we do? Well, there's only one thing to do. Well, there's only, there's only one thing to do. Um, they don't have proof that we stole the painting. The, it's just the painting is gone and they think we stole it. So what we need to do is we need to cross the border and get back to that house before they do and put the painting back. So when they return, 
it's back there and there's like nothing's been stolen. And Raymond Griffith's response is, yeah, sure, whatever. And they do that. And that's the lost reel, the last lost reel of the film. But it's um that's that's the way the Fonz is to me in this character. His character is in this episode and the way his character was kind of before he became the superhero. And I kind of miss that character. He's very much like, you know, oh, you want to use the place? Sure. Oh, you want me to stay up till midnight on, you know, my night off, as it were? Okay. You want me to sleep in your bed and wear your PJs? Sure, whatever. You want me to resolve? Sure. And he's just, he's there, and it's just like he resolves it, and he's good at it. And he's not superhuman. He's just good at it. Now, the funds will go through more iterations. We're still, hey, folks, we're still... I mean, I mean, I mean, where are we now? Like 75, 80 episodes in the series. We still have over 150 episodes left. We still have a ton to cover on here. So this is very early on. But this is this is a Fonz I'd miss. Because the next episode will have the Fonz who's been in the season so far back. I'm glad Bill Idelson wrote this. And he, um, you know, it was even a great moment where the Fonz, like, he's, he's, Discussing what just happened with the, his James Dean poster, which I love, which is kind of a thing I don't think he would do anymore in the regular, sort of a regular episode, as it were, because he's a superhero, you know, so he's doing his own thing. So there you go. And in the end, you know, Richie, uh, everything is explained, and, you know, the, um, the fact that she did all those drawings of Richie kind of show that they didn't spend the entire three, four hours just making out and fooling around in the bed. Or maybe they did, I don't know. But, but she maybe she had the, the, pages pre-done i don't know but but richie everything turns out all right in the end and you know richie's 18 now and he wants to be a grown-up boy and he's never going to see cindy again and he's never going to see conrad janice again unless he crosses over to mork and mindy in the first season or so but yeah that's that is um that is a place of his own pretty much i mean there there are other things to go on about but it's it it really is it really to me does feel like a first or second season episode of the show um, that has been rewritten, like I said, rewritten to be a fourth season episode. So there are laughs. Um, like I said, I found my through. I'm in trouble, or whatever it is he's singing is great, and the Fonz is funny throughout. It's it's an interesting episode because in the context of the season, it is a throwback, and therefore is kind of a eh, 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 kind of thing. You know, like if you're if you're listening to an album by a band you love, and then there's a, I was gonna say physical graffiti, but physical graffiti works. I was like, you listen to an album by a band you love, and you like, and for some reason on the album there's an older song, like a song they recorded for the previous album, but put on here or something like that, or or you just you know something that doesn't quite match where the band is now, and it thro- it throws everything off a bit and reminds you of a different space put you in a different headspace that's kind of what this episode does a bit again not in a bad way i think it's a fun episode um again i'm not completely convinced of cindy um i think i just think uh, i i mean i guess you know she she has very nice legs she's an attractive woman i'd like kissing her too full disclosure i would have kissed cindy if i had been richie and i know what you're thinking dan well why don't you hey how about you leave me alone and what's with that stained glass window at the top of the steps of the um, the house? The 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 bend in this forget it. So that's uh, that's yeah that's that's a place of their own, a league of their own, a place of his own, whatever it is. 
And now we're gonna we're, we're hopping right back into season four here with a shoot Fonzies, don't they? This one aired November sixteenth, nineteen seventy six. Give, give me a second here. I just want to. Um... So this is they shoot Fonzies, don't they? November sixteenth, nineteen seventy six. This is um... no. I think we got one more episode before Thanksgiving. This is written by Steve Zacharias and directed by Jerry Paris. And this one is kind of exactly how. Oh. Let me actually read you the little blurb from the uh, Happy Days 4 Season DVD set. This this works. Joni asks Fonzie to be her partner in a dance marathon. But when he has to push his broken down motorcycle 12 miles to get there, the Fonz may not last through the night. Actually, that works quite well. Let me play you a blast of something. I'll be on the other side and we will discuss the episode. I'm going to put forward this theory, although I may have put it forward already once before, that we are now in the vicinity of February 1959, uh, 6 p.m., the sun's down, because 6 p.m. seems to be, from Richie's initial talk, seems to be when the dance contest is going to begin, and um, Potsy and the band sing uh, Venus, the Frankie Avalon hit, which was released in February 59, so I think the guys graduate from high school in 1959. I, I stand by that for now. Because I think it was 1960, there would have been some mention that, hey, it's 1960, even if they did go to see Psycho earlier on. Eh. Anyway, yeah, because they do Venus, and they do, um, well, they do Rock and Robin, which came out in 58. They also play Hava Nagila, uh, which we'll talk about later, which you heard some of, and which we will talk about later. Um, well, not that in-depth, but we will talk about it. So this is a, I think this is a fun episode. It's an interesting one after the last one because the last one started off like it was going to be Richie. And then you thought, oh, the Fonz is going to take over. You know, it's it's going to become about the Fonz hanging out at the house trying to get sleep or something. But it isn't. It is about Richie. And Richie kind of vanishes from it when um, the Navy guy shows up. And he kind of has to vanish from it. But this one seems like it's going to be about Joni because she's pretty heavy in the first five or six minutes. But then it's not really about Joni, although she's in... And throughout, it's really about how cool the Fonz is because the Fonz yeah, has to push his car 12 miles. He's gone from Chicago to Milwaukee. His handlebars fall off. He has to push his um, motorcycle 12 miles. And he's exhausted when it comes time for the dance, but he does it anyways. And that's the thing throughout the 14 hours of the dance that he's exhausted the entire time. It's a pretty fine job for being exhausted for 20, for 14 hours. My God, I can't even, no, I can't even imagine that. Not even dancing with Aaron Moran. Although maybe. Uh, this one features uh, a couple of guest stars you might recognize. One is uh, Mark McClure, who is in Pandemonium, which just came out in Blu-ray, which I watched, which is one of the four first wave um, slasher parodies. Um, and I would say probably, well, Student Bodies is the best. And then I would say Pandemonium is possibly next up. Maybe Wacko. Pandemonium and Wacko fight for the second slot. And National Lampoon's Class Reunion is the, um, the dud in there but he's in here but the main person to see is charlene tilton the tilt this is her um late 76 about a year and a half before um dallas begins in march of 78 uh she's been a couple things here and there she was in um 
she's in just sweater girls with a pom pom girl. She has a brief appearance in a, in a, in one of those uh, films, um, and but she just sort of appears in the end. And she I, I she also appears in in the summer of seventy seven. She appears in an episode of Fernwood Tonight, where um, like the talent coordinating people have like um, some child prodigy, like 13, 14, 15 year old kid, nerdy kid, on playing pian- classical pieces on piano, and the guys don't think um, he's going to be interesting enough. So they bring in three gals in bikinis to hang out around the piano while he plays, and one of them is the tilt, and this is the the young, very cute, very tiny. Charlie, I mean, she's always tiny, but because um, because there, there was a time at the end of the eighties, well, because I think Shirley Tilton left Dallas, I think after season eight, the same time as Patrick Duffy originally left, circa eighty five. But then she comes back in a few seasons. When she comes back, circa eighty seven, eighty eight, around the time she is in a David Havener film, I want to say Raging Cajun, and I could be wrong. But when she returns, there's a scene where like she she enters South Fork. And she's um, she's wearing like a short skirt, and John Ross Jr. John Ross sees her and says hello to her, and she walks up some steps, and it's like, oh my, and so. But this is the the super cute tilt, and dancing at the the thing with her big um, her big brother Bubba, and so it's it's basically yeah it's it's yeah uh, uh, you know Joni wants to be the pom pom girl, and um you know um. What is that? I forget her name. Jill. Jill, right? Is it Jill? Is her name Jill Higgins? I think. Uh, won't let uh, Joni be on the team, and so you know, you you could tell exactly what it comes down to here. You know, if um, if Fonz and Joni win, she gets a, a pom pom. She becomes a pom pom girl. Joni. If 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 uh, the Higgins um, lose win, uh, then the Fonz gets a crew cut. Well, they haven't. Although, is it slightly weird that when? The Fonz is saying that he doesn't want to be part of this when they ask him to be in the contest. And Joni mentions that Jill Higgins is the one who's been giving her trouble. The Fonz knows exactly who she is. Is that a little weird? I don't know. I guess it could be. Anyway, yeah, the episode, I mean, this is a Fonz one. This is about the Fonz getting exhausted and then and then just dancing and dancing. We do learn, I think, somewhere in here that um, Joni was conceived when Mr. C came home on a furlough from World War II and uh, this is like 58, 50, this is like early 59. Joni, I think, said she was 14 a few episodes ago. That would put her being born around like 44, 45 near the end of the war-ish. Um, there you have it. I think, which I may have already said at one point in an episode. There you go. It's, it, I think it is interesting at the beginning when Richie is trying to negotiate with Al about the the dance contest because he and the, the band, him and Ralph Potsy, and a drummer, a, a female drummer, um, who is, we see throughout the episode, we don't know who she is, and she's only mentioned in a poorly looped-in line when Richie is leaving, complaining about how much money they're making an hour, and with the female drummer, um, which I don't fully understand why. The, I think maybe it was they realized they had to have someone behind the drums, and it was kind of better to, because it's like, he, he says, Richie says to, to Alice something like, um, you know, three pe- th- there are three of us, and we play six instruments, and he wants $200 for the, or is it $300? I think it's $200 for the night, because they're going to be playing for 14, 15 hours, and then Ralph and Potsy misunderstand what's going on, and they end up getting $35 for the night, which really seems horrible um, for the 14 hours of playing that they do, because they're playing almost constantly, and Richie does say yowza, yowza a lot, which is annoys everybody, and 
everyone sings something. And in the closing credits, when they say like musical contributions by, you know, Fats Domino, etc., etc., not only is Anson Williams there, but Don Most is there too, which is cool. And they're sort of in the background. Those guys are in the background. It's it's mainly it's 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 Fonzie and Joni out front with um the Higgins, uh, B- Bubba and the Tilt. And like I said, it, it, it's a it's a fun episode. There's really not a whole lot to say about it. I mean, apart from, I mean, the things you can say about it are, um, you know, the Fonz does have some incredible stamina that he can keep this this, this dancing up for fourteen hours when he's so exhausted. There's a moment where um. Mrs. C mentions that uh, they want Fonzie to help out with a dance marathon. And uh, Fonzie says something like, oh, yeah, there's a marathon I want to be a part of, but it ain't dancing. And I thought, a sex marathon? The year of the sex Olympics with the Fonz. One of the great things about the episode, I think, is that it's not one of those where, you know, it's dance contest, dance contest, dance contest. And, you know, the dance contest begins like six or seven minutes from the end. No, the dance contest begins about 10 minutes in the episode. We get the last 15 minutes are all at the dance contest, which is nice because you really get a feel to it and a build to it. You know, basically, like, the the first nine minutes or so are introduction of what's going on, set up for the dance contest, Fonz being asked and saying, yes, he will do it because he's he's doing it for Joni, and then the scene where the Fonz is exhausted, but he's still going to do it for Joni, and then we get to the dance contest, and they go and they do their, their thing. I want to ask how, uh, when, and how long the the dance contest. Um, uh, we know the dance contest goes for fourteen hours, and Richie mentions that in the beginning he says, "Now imagine you're in Milwaukee. It's Saturday night. It's six p.m. You're bored out of your mind, but you hear there's a dance contest going on in Arnold's. You know, you go down there and there's some jokes about how people are going to eat some fish that Arnold bought, which is great. But to me, that implies that the dance contest begins at six p.m." And then that would be the dance contest would end, well, at 10, 10 a.m. the next morning. Um, and because it is dark when the Fonz shows up, having pushed his, his, his motorcycle at 12 miles. And I, it's, it's interesting, it's 10 a.m., but, the, but there's never, there's never a feeling in, it's at the, it feels the same at the start as it does at the end. So it doesn't feel like, even though it's been 14 hours and everyone's exhausted, it doesn't feel like it's 10 in the morning. It feels like it's still, it feels like it's a few hours later. So they don't, they don't kind of, you know, they don't say something like, wow, it's morning or anything like that. You know, they just mention the hours. And then Joni, it's interesting because Joni never gets sleepy throughout it. Everyone else gets sleepy. Joni is the one person there who does not get sleepy at all. And it's her and her reason for not getting sleepy is um, because it's not a school night, and so which is fun, but um, uh, it does beg the question, yeah, why Joni doesn't doesn't get sleepy? Um, but but I, I guess that I guess that works uh, uh, for an, an excuse. And the Fonzio gets his second win and third win here and there, and they jitterbug and then they have a nagila at, at the end, and um, and yeah, Joni gets pretty competitive on uh the Fonz, you know, when clearly he's tired. Although she is gonna she's gonna throw in the towel when she hears what the Fonz did, uh had to do to get there to get to her to dance. Uh let's see what else. Um yeah, well let's talk about the ending real quick. So what happens is they win the contest. Hooray! But um the Fonz is almost out. He's being dragged away on the a stretcher. 
and uh, uh, Jill, Jill, right, runs up and says, um, I've, I know a great barber. And the Fonz, like, does a, a you know, Ralphian Christmas story, you know, instead of jamming his feet into the slide as he's going down, he, like, stops the, jam, jams his hands against the wall and, you know, stops the stretcher from going away. And suddenly he gets his second wind, and the band plays um, Hava Nagila, which, um, I mean, they're the waspiest band in the world. The fact that they know Hava Nagila like, like that, I mean, it could be... I don't I don't understand why they, why they know that so well but they do know it. And it's interesting because the way the dance goes is the Tilt and Bubba start dancing. Um Joni just stands there clapping her hands and the Fon starts dancing and he eventually does that Russian dance where like you you crouch down, you bend at the waist and your legs are sticking out, you go hey, hey and you kick your feet and everything like that. And everyone's cheering him and then he he wins. They win. And then, you know, and then he becomes exhausted after that. And uh, first off, I would say it's a strange choice um, for the song. I'm, we're not, I'm not sure where that came from. A second, that I guess the Fonz can do anything if he can dance like that when he's absolutely exhausted. And third, um, Tilt and Bubba both try to dance as the Fonz is, but collapse. But Joni doesn't. And so my question is... Um, did only one of them had to have to dance during the challenge? Because if so, then maybe Joni should have just gone out there and danced, and the other two would have collapsed because they were already near collapsing anyways. And Joni was fine. Why send the Fonz out there? It's 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 a weird. I mean, it's it's fine at the end of the day. It's just me nitpicking, or or me not even nitpicking. It's just me being slightly confused because it's supposed to be a dance, and when the challenge is put up, two people dance. The two people dance on one side, but only one person dances on the other. And the side that only has one person dance wins. Um, I guess that's right. I guess they're both standing, so it doesn't really matter. But it's, it's always been a strange moment to me that, like, at that moment, Joni is, like, no longer part of the contest. She's, like, a spectator, like the rest of us. And the Fonz has taken on everybody. Um, which seems strange. You would have thought they would have given Joni a little more to do right there. Um, they will in the future. I mean, you got to remember, like all this, all this setting up the Fonz as a superhero can do this everything kind of thing, doesn't last forever, on the show, and there will be a point when the show, when when the Fonz, you know, when other characters will begin to sort of assert themselves in lead roles again, and the Fonz will just be just sort of one of the lead roles once once we crest the popularity wave, which won't be for another, well, this season, I think next season, um, definitely. Um, then possibly the next season too, yeah. Um, but um, but but what what ends up what, what this what these episodes end up doing is that when we get to the point where the Fonz is sort of more human, and is more like a, a man, an adult man going about his life, just being cool. We have all these remembrances of the moments when he was super cool, and when it's almost like um. Well, it's not quite like a, do you remember when you were in high school and you were on the football team or you did this and you did that? It's because the Fonz is cool throughout. But it sort of has that feel, too, because they set up the character as being super cool and superhuman. He's going to jump sharks soon, this, that, and the other. And there will be a point near, you know, as as we go along, much later, I think possibly after Richie goes and Joni and Chachi begin to take more of the lead. Um, yeah, where the Fonz will become sort of, not a secondary character, but just part of an ensemble rather than the lead again. But we will always have the remembrance of all these things he did. So it's good that all these things are there because he won't be doing all this sort of thing 
well, he does it on occasion still, definitely. Um, but, but he won't be doing this as heavy as he is right now in a few seasons. So it's nice that we kind of have this all here. Is, is, was it, is it a bit too much? Oh, occasion it can be. The nice episode was a little... The last episode was a nice... What am I saying? The last episode... It can be. The last episode was a nice break from this sort of thing. And then this episode is a fun version of this sort of thing with Joni getting belligerent over the Fonz not being able to dance and Mr. and Mrs. C kind of looking over all of it and the guy singing and, and, and Richie saying yowza, yowza, yowza a lot and Al saying things like fish over and over again. It's it's a fun episode. It's a, it's a funny episode. And it, it moves itself along. Like I said, it moves itself along nicely. Um... The, I mean, the thing with the, I had to push the motorcycle 12 miles, yep, that's fairly contrived, but um, not not in a bad way. Um, I'm sure they could have spent five minutes and come up with something that was a little better than that. Because they do make the point that the Fonz, the night before, the Friday night, is um, going to like some sort of race or something to help out a friend in Chicago, and then he's come back. It could have been something like where like he was asked to help out with another race, and maybe he called and said, I'll be there as soon as I can, and because of the races, he was up. he's been up for like 36 hours or something like that, but he's exhausted. The motorcycle thing is fine, and it does get the point across that he's a little toasted. But there you go. So, um... Yeah, I don't know that there's a lot more to say about this episode. Like I said, it's a fun episode. Everyone gets a little something to do. Um, the Fonz gets to, gets to do his his Russian dance, and um, on the tilt, and uh, Bubba are defeated, and Joni becomes a pom pom girl, and it ends up with uh, that guy Mark McClure, there. So I guess all is well, and, and the Fonz is hauled away on a stretcher by a bunch of lovely ladies. There you go. He's having a good time. I I mean. I will say throughout the the Fonz is is getting some really great wisecracks in. In the last episode, what was it? The um, hey, it must have been a great movie. You brought home the usher. In this one, Bubba's talking to him. He says, "You know what?" Uh, the Fonz says, "You know what? I think is really great that they taught an elephant to talk." And he has a few other um, uh, zing zingy moments in there, which are nice. And Henry Winkler does some great tired guy acting when he talks about how great La La Land is and such, and is trying to keep awake. It's it's pretty. It's pretty funny. It's not as it's not as sort of all out as like uh, Penny Marshall um, falling asleep. Is it Penny? Is it Laverne? Right, who falls asleep? Like they they do that experiment episode. And then they're at the party and Laverne is falling asleep. Is that right? Yeah. Um, it's not as as full on as that, but um, but that's not really Happy Days. Uh, so to, to to go that full on slapsticky, but yeah, I think it's um, I think it's I think it's a it's a fun episode. I mean, it's not gonna if you're if you're not convinced that happy days is is worth your time this probably ain't gonna do it for you but if you're enjoying it this is a good bit of enjoyment i did just have it pointed out to me that although havanagila is a um is a folk uh jewish folk tune that was written in like the 19 teens uh harry belafonte used to perform that song at many of his concerts and it was on an album in 1957 called an evening with harry belafonte or an evening with belafonte and then um a couple years later in, later in 1959 belafonte at carnegie hall he performs it live so okay there's every good chance that harry belafonte being um who he was uh they would have known Havanagila. so i take back everything i said about why they would have known that song um, it is a bit of history that I just completely forgot. I, I, okay, yeah, 
I, I had a quick look up and I was like, oh, that's right, Harry Belafonte used to do that. Okay. So, yeah, so there's a reason why, I guess, that they don't have a Nagila. Is it, is it a slightly strange choice still? I don't know. We've never seen Fonz um, reveal those Russian dance things before. Um, he's some sort of absorbing man type thing. You know, he's around the dancing and just, he just absorbs it all and can do all of it. So, so it, it makes more sense now why they did that in the end, I think. Probably. So forgive me, earlier on I, I had expressed my confusion and... Um, Maybe, maybe I still do. I don't know, but I understand it now. So that was They Shoot uh, Fonzies, Don't They? And before that, A Place of His Own. That is, uh, yeah, that's the end of this episode. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, you can get in touch with me. Uh, we're uh, Twitter, Addy Supertrain1, or Adventure Supertrain, over at uh, Facebook, adventuresupertrain.blogspot.com. Yeah, you can get in touch with me. You can find me. Have, uh, you know my name. Look up the number. Next episode, we are covering the Muckrakers and AKA the Fonz. We are finishing out November of 1976. You'll be good to yourselves, everyone. Be safe. And I will talk to you next time. Friday, Friday, happy days. The weekend comes. My cycle hums.